0: Second Timothy, Second Timothy, and um, we'll look at one verse out of chapter 1, 2 Timothy, chapter 1, and um, verse number 5, Second Timothy chapter 1, verse number 5, I'm not sure if the message will be entitled... Genuine faith, but that's what we're talking about. We're talking about genuine faith. And it's not to offend anybody. It's not to make anybody feel like they're being judged or anything like that. It's to help us grow, it's to help us learn. And um, the Lord has led us on Wednesday nights this year. We've been studying the subject of faith and walking by faith and what that means and what that looks like. And so, Amen. Let's look at the verse. From the New King James Version, it says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. So the Apostle Paul was talking about Timothy's faith. This same passage from the King James Version uses a different word here. It uses the word unfeigned faith. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. And I am persuaded that um, in thee also. On most occasions, I prefer a simpler word over a more complex word, but every now and then, the more complex word is called for because it gives us a depth of meaning that we need. Not that there's anything wrong with genuine in that word, or for us to think in terms of faith as being genuine or uh, something that would would be uh, what disingenuine, I guess, or something that would not be genuine, but this word feigned um, it literally means simulated or pretend, simulated faith or pretend faith so if there is unfeigned faith, that tells me that there is feigned faith. If there is genuine faith, that tells me that there is a faith that um, could potentially be um, disingenuous. And so from here, just to review a little bit of what we said last week, genuine faith, genuine faith is a function of the heart. Pretend faith is a function of the head and a statement that i think would help us really distinguish the difference here and i know this is one when the holy spirit first spoke it to me really really impacted my heart and mind is this there is a huge difference between being convinced and trying to convince yourself so a lot of what people think of in terms you know of being genuine faith is is really not genuine faith but it's an effort on their part to convince themselves genuine faith is being fully convinced now one of my th- one of the things that I say a lot and and I'm going to add it here is that we have to own it before we can disown it. The devil loves to get us stuck somewhere in between two positions. And when you ride the fence, he rides you. When you ride the fence, he just just batters you, right? And so we've got to get off that fence. We've got to get off that fence. And so when I say you've got to own it before you can disown it, if we're just going to either pretend or pretend and not know we're pretending that we're believing God because we say we're believing God, then it's going to be hard for us to make any progress when it comes to growing from faith to faith. But if we will stop to consider for a moment what faith really is, and there's different ways that we can define it because it's a vast subject. But if faith is anything, it's being fully persuaded. If faith is anything, it's being fully convinced. Now, we looked at some examples last week um, of two men from the Old Testament. We looked at Abraham and David. And we looked at Abraham when he offered Isaac on the altar as a sacrifice. And we looked at David when he went and faced Goliath and we hear all these sermons and teachings and and this this idea that David was shaking in his boots and Abraham was about to vomit because you know just so in just stomach in knots and stressed out of his mind and so afraid and you know just trembling I'm going to do this god but no no see n- none of that's the case these men were fully convinced they were fully persuaded now if we're not fully persuaded that's okay because A huge part of of faith working in our lives and even what the Bible teaches us about faith is how we can go from a place of, of being uncertain to certain. How we can go from a place of trying to believe, trying to be convinced to believing and being fully convinced. So genuine faith is being fully convinced in your heart. Pretend faith is trying to convince your mind. Now, I know that I teach this a lot here and I I teach this a lot at the Foundry. And so, more than likely, you've heard me say this more than once. I think we even mentioned this last Wednesday evening. But most people on planet Earth live out of their heads. They live from their brain. And the average person hear that and they're going, like, well, what's wrong with that? Everything's wrong with that because it's not how we were created to live. We were created to live from our hearts. But when we lost our heart connection with God, we substituted our brain in its place. And we become so familiar, we become so used to, we become so accustomed to living from our brains. Living from our brains what the world calls normal. But it's not normal. It's not normal. And this is at the heart of, and we've already said it a few different ways, but th- this is really at the heart of, of where, where some people are deceived. Because into, into, deceived means you believe something to be true that's not. They're deceived into thinking or believing that they're, they're in genuine faith when they're not. It's because it's mental gymnastics. It's, 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 it's something that they're doing in their mind. Now, your mind does play a part in faith, and, and we're going to get into that in greater detail, But it's not not where faith functions. It's it's not where faith resides. Faith is in the heart. It's of the heart. And with the heart, man believes. Faith is something that comes from the heart, not the head. But as is the case with so many things, when we don't know what to do with our heart, we just jump straight to our head. You can tell the difference. if if, If you ever have this conversation with yourself you know, where your heart's telling you to do one thing and your, and your head's trying to talk you out of it. Am I the only one? I don't think so. So, again, that's just to kind of help you distinguish the difference between heart and head. So, the Bible says in Romans 12 and 3 that you've been given the measure of faith, and the measure of faith you've been given is genuine faith. Jesus even referred to it as the God kind of faith. But I think it's important for us to think of that measure of faith that you have as potential inside of you that must be developed and released. Not just developed, it must be developed and once it is developed, it must be released. The Bible teaches us about developing our faith, becoming strong in faith, and the Bible teaches us about releasing our faith. Now, what a lot of people try to do is skip over the developing part and jump straight to the releasing part, right? It, 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 faith's not developed, but because they know faith is how they receive, faith is how move, we move mountains, faith is how you know, we, we try to intellectualize the faith process and jump straight to the part about, uh, you know, about releasing our faith to get what we need. You can't release faith that hasn't been developed. Remember the ten lepers. Faith by hearing, they heard about Jesus. And that developed, that awakened, that aroused faith in them. They weren't in a position yet to release the faith that they needed to receive healing. But they did have enough faith to release a cry to Jesus from a distance. They didn't have enough faith to go fall at His feet. They didn't have enough faith to go give Him a hug. They didn't have enough faith to go to, to get up close to Him from a distance. That was all the faith they could muster. But Jesus responded. And when He responded, they heard Him speak. They heard They heard, we'll explain this in a moment. They heard a rhema, a rhema word of God. Go show yourself to the priest, which increased faith in them, but they still had to take that next step. That next step released another level of faith. That brought cleansing, and then one guy took the faith that was developed from being cleansed and used it to go fall at the feet of Jesus. The greatest faith is what? To believe on Him whom God has sent. This is eternal life, that you believe on Him whom God has sent, right? He goes and he falls at Jesus' feet. And it was this man that Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. I don't know the timing on all of this, but let's just say all this transpired from the time they cried out, to the time they took off, to the time that one guy came back, I'm thinking ten minutes tops. But the faith that he released at the feet of Jesus, Jesus didn't say, I have now made you whole, son. He said, your faith just connected with the power of God that has brought, brought wholeness and restoration to every part of your being, every part of your body. Okay? Okay that was released by him that he didn't possess on that level ten minutes prior. So I'm not trying to make this sound like, well, you know, you got to pay your faith dues and one of these days you'll be strong in faith. No, no, no. You can become strong in faith very quick. Very quick. Okay? If you will hear the Word of God and respond to it, that rhema word. Now let me keep going here. So, this can sometimes be confusing because... Like for instance, Jesus said, if you come to him, he'll give you abundant life. And you know, people are like, well, when's that abundant part kicking in Pastor Mark? Or, you know, the, the Bible says you have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. And you're like, man, I can't even pay my power bill. Or you have been given the measure of faith. And you're like, well, well, where is that measure of faith? So we've got to understand that the measure of faith that you've been given its there, but you have to think of it in terms of potential, how to use it. Jesus compared faith to a seed. Well, there can be all the power in the world in a seed, but if if you don't know what to do with that seed, the power, the potential that's in, it's not going to be released. So it, it becomes a matter of knowing what to do with the faith and how to develop the faith and use the faith that you've been given. Amen? All right, now. A key verse in all of this, and we've looked at it over and over and over again, is Romans 10 and 17. And I only have it in conjunction with another verse, but I'm going to put both of them up. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So then faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So the question then is, and it's an important question, it's among the most important questions you will ever ask and understand the answer to given the importance of faith, how do we, how do I develop my, how do we develop our measure of faith? Well, we've been exploring in in the course of our study the dynamic that exists between the faith that's in your heart and the Word of God. And how these two come together, create a powerful, powerful dynamic, a powerful, powerful force, okay? that is transformative, that, 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 that releases power, transformative in nature. So developing our faith begins with hearing the Word of God. Hearing the Word of God. Now listen to me, there is no substitute for this. And this is where so many people try to take shortcuts. This is where so many people try to cut corners. Just tell me the formula. Tell me the steps. Or it's where we substitute futilely the trappings of faith in place of the things that develop genuine faith in the heart. You you can't skip this part. Have you ever heard the expression, um, he let his mouth write a check, his body couldn't cash? So the idea, something like that, thank you, Brother Kim, we, we, we sanctified it, all right, okay. All right, so the idea there is somebody is releasing words of aggression that, that they don't have the, the wherewithal physically to back it up. So what happens sometimes is, you know, people talk about, I'm believing, I'm confessing, I'm standing on faith. But what they're, what they're really doing is they're, they're making a faith confession out of their mouths that is not backed by genuine faith in the heart, but it's more like, man, the Lord knows my heart and I'm asking Him to help you know my heart, okay? It's more like wishful thinking. It's more like wishful thinking than genuine faith. And so when we don't do the things necessary to develop and strengthen our faith, but try to substitute, cut the corner, and go ahead and release our faith, this is what I mean by the trappings of faith. Are faith confessions important? You better know they are. But making a faith confession without any genuine faith in the heart is trying to... So you you hear people say, like, I'm not going to speak it. I'm not going to confess it. So we think, because policing our words, making sure we don't say negative things and confess negative things is extremely important. I'm not backing down on that. But you can't just not say something negative and somehow that equals genuine strong faith in your heart. David didn't deny Goliath's existence. See, again, the Bible says that that God's example of faith for us is that He calls things that be not, that do not exist, as though they, they do. He calls things that be not as though they are. He calls things that be not, that do not exist, and speaks of them as if they do exist. And that is a powerful faith uh, uh, principle, faith truth, where we can release our faith by calling things that that do not exist, that be not, as though they are. But, But listen to me, please. Faith is not calling things that do exist as though they be not. David didn't go, what Goliath? What giant if you guys would just quit admitting there is a giant there'd be no giant see that's calling things that are as though they be not that's not faith faith recognized that big old stinky smelly giant and says you're no match for my God did I just lose you I'm not trying to lose you but see no we think well we just we think faith is the trappings, the mechanisms, the, the formulas, the steps of faith. And so, you know, faith people uh, call things to be not as though they are. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to get in faith here by calling things to be not as though they are. You're, if, if there's no genuine faith in your heart, it's, it's nothing more than an expression of wishful thinking. But now listen to me, please. I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth. As long as we recognize the difference, we can continue to confess something and that confession will help build the faith necessary for us to eventually have something to release. I'm going to show you that in Scripture if we have time for it tonight. Are you still with me tonight? So there's no substitute for this. And this is where I think it's a missing link, so to speak. It's where a lot of people just jump over this and go on... Uh, you know, to those other things. Now, I want to give you a little background. So we're going to step away seemingly from our subject for a moment, but we're not. I'm just, I've, got to, I've got to lay a little bit of a foundation so we'll have something to set this final part on, okay? When you read the word... Word, the word word, W-O-R-D, in the Bible. In the New Testament, we see two main ones I want to point out tonight. Two main ones. Original words in the Greek that are translated into our English word, W-O-R-D. Those two Greek words are the word logos, L-O-G-O-S. And rhema r-h-e-m-a so the Word of God could be in the original language written the logos of God or the Word of God could be written the rhema of God now there are a lot of similarities in these two words but there is one very important distinction And that is, the Logos, some people say the Logos is the written word. That's really not not completely accurate. The, The Logos is speaking of, and I'll hold it up, is speaking of the Word of God in the sense that this is God's Word. Every word combining together to make all the chapters and all the 66 books that are the Word of God. This is the Logos. And the Logos can be written or expressed in spoken word. Okay? Now, the Rhema word of God differs from the Logos, not in the sense that the Logos is written and the Rhema is spoken, but the Rhema word of God is when the Holy Spirit takes something from the Logos and speaks it to you, okay, and speaks it to you. I see some of you grinning, some of you smiling, some of you looking at me like a calf looking at a new gate, all right? You say, well, what's the difference? All the difference in the world, especially when it comes to your faith. Because when the Bible says, so then faith by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, it's literally faith by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. Faith by hearing, hearing by the rhema of God. I tell you all the time, I do it personally, I encourage you to do it. There are so many tools available to us now, there is no reason why we can't spend tremendous amounts of time listening to the Word of God listening to God's Word Um, we've been in a multiple year study of the book of Ephesians and it all began um, some years ago when the Lord led me to just start listening to the book of Ephesians chapter 1 through chapter 6 over and over and over again I preach a lot of Ephesians a a lot out of Ephesians but in doing that I begin to see things... Because a lot of times when I would read it, I'd read it a chapter two at a time, study the verse a two at a time, a portion at a time. But by listening to six chapters, six chapters, six chapters, six chapters, you begin to see all kinds of things and hear all kinds of things that you never heard before. All of that is important, but all of that is Logos. Okay? But in the course of my hearing, there will be times... Now, I'm fixing to clap my hands, so don't let me startle you. There will be times that I'm listening along, and all of a sudden, something fires off inside of me. What was that? That was that Logos becoming Rhema. That was the Holy Spirit breathing on that. This happened to me most recently, Monday afternoon. I can show you exactly where I was. I I had made the deposit. It was after hours. I had to do the the church deposit. I dropped it in the night depository. And I pulled out of Union State Bank. I turned onto the road that runs in front of the post office. If You know where that is in Pleasant Grove. I went to the stop sign and I turned left. I turned left and the Holy Spirit exploded inside of me. He exploded inside of me now, let me let me back up here for a minute all right i've been meditating on oneness with god i've been meditating on different scriptures and different things and meditating means to mutter it to oneself to speak it to oneself to to say you know to oneself what god says see Whatever you feed gets stronger and grows. Whatever you starve gets weaker and dies. And so when we take the Word of God and we meditate it and we mutter it and we, and we keep it coming in our eyes and in our ears, it's, it's sustaining, it's feeding our faith, it's growing our faith until there's this breakthrough, right? And this is what exploded in my spirit. This is what, and see, now listen, you can amen this. You can grin at me. You, you can say, boy, that was good and all those other things. And I'm thankful. And I'm not trying to diminish what you're saying. But, are are your agreement with this, okay? But unless the Holy Spirit explodes it in you the way He exploded it in me, you're not going to receive yet. Are you, I, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not trying to make a negative confession here. But I'm, just, I'm, I'm trying to say, like, let me give you this example. The Lord does something in your life you're so excited about it. And, and you're trying to tell somebody else. And they're like, okay, well, you want pepperoni on your pizza or what? In other words, it's not, it, it, you know, and you're like, you know, you're like, are you, are you kidding me? No, dude, let me tell you, this is what God said to me. And they're like, yeah, I mean, okay, I know that verse in the Bible too, man. I memorized it before you were even born. you know." But see, it's, it's done become rhema to you. It's still logos to them. This is what he told me. He said, if a branch... Is not an expression of the tree itself, then what is it? If a branch is not an expression, I'm sorry, an extension, if a branch is not an extension of the tree, then what is it? Now, see again, you're like, what, huh, what? Why did that fire off in my spirit? Because it got me one step closer from faith to faith to being where I know the Lord wants us to be in believing the oneness that we have with God. a Branch is one with a tree. We don't think of a branch as being separate from a tree. But see, again, I almost didn't even go there tonight because you're like, okay, yeah, we got it, Pastor Mark. That's good, that's good. Yeah, we like that. Or write it down, that's good. It became rhema to me. It became rhema to me on that little road right there. All right, now let me, let me keep moving here. So when we say Logos, think all the Word of God. Written, spoken, all of it. But when we talk about Rhema, we're talking about something that is Spirit-inspired to you personally. When the Holy Spirit speaks the Word of God to you directly, when He brings it to life in you, another way to think of the Rhema is not that all of God's Word is, is anointed. I'm not trying to say that it's not but we're talking about the anointed word of God spoken to you. Spoken to you. Let me give you a couple of examples. Um, how old would I have been when Mamo Winslet, my dad's mom, passed away? She was in 1980, so I'd have been 13 years old. I was 13 years old when my dad's mother passed away. My mamo, we called her mamo. My mother, mamo. Some of you call her mamo, and that's fine. Um, We called her mamo, and that was after my dad's mother, who was mamo. When my mamo Winslet passed away, obviously my dad. All of us were upset. My dad's mom just passed and the Lord spoke a scripture to his heart. That scripture was this, don't cry, she's not dead, she's only asleep. Now, if you're wondering where the Bible says that, it says it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, I believe. I think I'm right in that. Um, but the context for that Scripture, and I thought I had it in my notes. Um, The context for that Scripture is Jairus' daughter. He was the leader of the synagogue. He went to get Jesus because his daughter was very sick. She was, I think, 12 years old. And on the way to Jairus' house, a messenger came and said, don't trouble Jesus, your daughter's dead. And Jesus said, Don't cry. Well, he came onto the house. He told him, Only believe. Ministered to a woman who had an issue blood, been sick for a long time. He then goes in. Everybody's crying. Jesus says, Stop crying. She's not dead, she's only asleep. And they ridiculed him. But then what was Jesus doing? Jesus was releasing faith, Jesus wasn't getting caught up in the emotion of it. He was the leader of the synagogue in Jesus' hometown. Jesus knew that little girl. You'll never convince me that He didn't. He knew that little girl. Now, funerals are sad in general, but funerals of 12-year-old girls, that's that's, that's, that's hard, right? A lot of emotion there. Jesus told all of them to get out. Right? Now, I'm not here to preach on that. I'm here to go back to, in that moment, the Spirit of God took a a word of God, a Logos of God from the Logos and made it Rhema to my father. Are you seeing this? He said to her, now obviously the little girl was dead and my grandmother was dead. Okay? But what he's saying to my father is, that body of hers is just asleep, but she is as alive and more alive now than she's ever been. I'm not expecting you to like be moved emotionally by this or anything like that. I, I, I'm just trying to show you that it landed on my dad's heart as a rhema word that ministered to him in that moment of grief. Let me give you another example and we'll finish one of my uh, favorite pastors is Pastor Bill Winston, and um, and he is he is just a phenomenal preacher of the word, teacher of the word, and and um, and uh, I mean it with all due respect. He's a nut. He's he is hilarious, but rich, rich teaching and anointing. Well he was in the Air Force, raised in Tuskegee, Alabama, and and, um, of course pastor's in the Chicago area now. And he began to believe God for an airplane, for his ministry, and airplanes are expensive, and it's, it's a big step for him in those days. And he was just struggling to get any traction for his faith, because faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Well, He had been praying about it, and there was a guest minister in his church, and that guest minister was preaching, and he stopped his sermon, and he said, Bill, you'll find your airplane in Ecclesiastes, the 10th chapter, and he went back to preaching. Well, of course, as funny as Bill Winston is, he's like, you know, I started feeling a little convicted because Ecclesiastes is not one of them books I study a lot, you know, so he went and he found Ecclesiastes chapter 10, and he read it, and he didn't find nothing in there about an airplane. So he read it again, read it out loud. And he had one of those, I'll do it quieter this time, exploded in his spirit. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 20. It says this, a bird of the air will carry your voice. A bird of the air will carry your voice. Now, the logos... The logos, the context of this statement is, don't be talking bad about people because they're going to find out what you say. Don't even speak evil of the king in your own bedchamber because a bird of the air will carry your voice and your words And he'll find it out and you'll be in trouble. Okay? That's the Logos. But the Holy Spirit can take the Logos and make it a rhema. And the Holy Spirit took that verse, it exploded in His Spirit. He found in the Scriptures where He could connect His faith with His voice being carried by a bird to other places to preach the Gospel. Logos, rhema. Are you seeing this? Now, here's the bottom line. We need to hear from God for ourselves. There's no substitute for this. Faith by hearing, not by having heard. Faith by hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing. And hearing I'm not saying I'm not please hear me I'm not saying that every time you hear it doesn't affect your faith the measure of faith inside of you positively but it's feeding it it's growing Jesus again compared faith to a mustard seed and the mustard seed is the smallest of seed. We think mustard greens. No. He's talking about a mustard tree that birds can come and build nests in its branches, but it's still a very, very tiny seed compared to what comes out of that seed. And he's talking about faith as a grain of a mustard seed. He's talking about putting your faith to work. And, 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 and how all of that you know, develops and grows and is ultimately released. Sometimes... I'm even going to say most of the time you hear and 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 then boom you hear yes and what I mean by that is the word comes alive inside of you it's not that you didn't know what the word said before but when this boom takes place in your spirit it takes knowing to another level it's not knowing with the head it's knowing in the heart With the head, no. In the heart. Not even with the heart. In the heart. You know in your heart. My mom and dad used to say it this way. You know that you know that you know that you know. Right? Because you've heard and you've heard and you've heard and you've heard. It's a different kind of knowing. It's a different level of knowing. It's a different level of convinced. Amen? There's no substitute for this. There's no substitute for this. Amen. Stand with me tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray for you, but let me look at you again for just a moment, okay? Some of you in this room know exactly what I'm talking about because you've experienced it. Others are like, I have no idea what he's talking about. And still others are like, must be something wrong with me because I've never experienced that. No, 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 please. Remember, of all the things the devil is trying to do against you, the first one is steal. The thief only comes to steal, kill, destroy. first thing he's trying to steal from you is the Word. Because the, the victory that overcomes him and everything in this world is the, fa- is the measure of faith inside of you. And so he's got to try to keep that faith quarantined, small, underdeveloped, weak, at all costs. He's going to try to steal the word from you. He's going to try to make it seem like the hardest thing you ever do is read the Bible. And some folks only read it just enough to be able to say they did. Man, you need to read it till something in here jumps off the page at you and comes alive inside of you. And that's not necessarily reading it from cover to cover. I have no problem with you reading it from cover to cover. But maybe you ought to take 1 John and read it until 1 John becomes a part of your personality. Maybe you ought to take Ephesians and read it until you can quote whole portions of it without even realizing you can let me tell you what's going to happen the Holy Spirit knows what you need even more than you know what you need and he's gonna take that word of God he's gonna take that logos and he's gonna blow it up in your spirit in the form of a of word from God and see when you got that rhema word from God it doesn't matter what he's asked you to do it doesn't matter how big the giant is it doesn't matter how long it's been that way it doesn't matter what the doctor said it doesn't matter anymore Because your faith has taken you to a level of knowing that supersedes all other mental gymnastics, all other information in your head. You know what we call that? Genuine faith. Genuine faith. Father, we love you. Thank you for life and peace. Thank you for teaching us these things, Father. Thank you for showing us, Lord, how not to spin our wheels, but, Father, how our our faith wheels can get some traction, Lord. And and how your Holy Spirit's wanting to take your Logos and make it Rhema. And and how, Father, you know what we need, and you're wanting to speak those things to us, and and grow our faith, and build us up in faith, Father, and and, and help us get to that level of of being able to release faith, Father, that'll make us whole, and and move mountains, and transform things in our lives, Father, that seem so stubborn like they're never going to change but father I thank you that they're changing they've got to change because nothing is impossible to him who believes all things are possible to the one who believes father I thank you for that rhema word that you dropped in brother Jesse Duplantis heart that we now Lord, repeat here for everyone present. You didn't ask us to pay for it. You asked us to believe for it. Teach us, Father, how to quit trusting our, our own ability to work an angle and manipulate a situation to get what we need. You didn't ask us to pay for it. You asked us to believe for it. Teach us how to believe, Father. Really, truly, genuinely believe. In Jesus name amen amen shake somebody's hand hug somebody's neck love somebody in Jesus